Hello and welcome to the February 2018 edition of TA Playlist, the official podcast of TrueAchievements.com. My name is Mark, Gamertag, not Penny's Boat. I'll be your host for this episode. Uh, joining me, as usual, are my co-hosts. He had to hack and slash his way to his desk, but he survived thanks to a series of well-timed QTEs. It's Kevin, Gamertag, Yuri Dace. Ah, I'm glad to be here. It was uh, only slightly bloody. Where are we going with this? <laughs> that was clever. Also with us today is a man whose wit is as sharp as a centurion's blade. It's Sam, Gamertag Kintaris. Thank you, and hello. <laughs> I, I think that describes me much better than it describes Sam. Oh, I, Yeah, I thought you'd feel that way. Generally, those bits are interchangeable at the intro, don't worry. <laughs> hmm. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> so today we'll be dissecting Rise, Son of Rome, like its protagonist dissects tyrants. To recap how we got here, Rise beat out three other games featured in February's playlist poll, winning 32% of the votes. It was a close month, and all four games garnered at least 20% of the votes tallied, which is, I think, only the third time that's happened. But ultimately, Rise was followed in order by Mad Max, Saints Row 4, and Titanfall 2. Rise, of course, got the now-typical Games with Gold boost, but we did deliberately try to make it fair by including other games from either Games with Gold, like Saints Row, EA Access, like Titanfall, or Game Pass, like Mad Max. We're recording today already into the month of March, which brings with it a new TA playlist game we'll touch on later in the show. But of course, we couldn't move on entirely before we wrapped up the community's discussion of February's game. I want to go over some background on Rise, and I'll start with a bit of trivia, uh, or maybe it's not for you guys or for, for some listening. That being how Rise once looked very different from the version we all played this past month. Originally, and tell me if you guys recall this, it was revealed that E3 2011, simply titled Rise, still by Crytek, although at the time it was Crytek Budapest, and its uh, setting and gameplay were much different. It was actually a first-person perspective, Kinect-required high fantasy game, so it wasn't even in Rome, it demanded Kinect, it was, it was very different than, than what we got. Over time, and for several reasons, uh, internal and external, the game was shifted from Crytek Budapest to the studio's main headquarters, where it underwent several changes to eventually become the Rise Son of Rome we all know today. And maybe love, or maybe not in in some cases, as we'll get to. (laughs) Crytek uh, decided not to delay its release because they felt it was important to release at launch alongside the Xbox One back in November 2013. Fast forward nearly five years, and here we are today, set to pick it apart, for better or worse, with all of those who played along with us on TA all month long. With a story-focused game, we tend to start there for our show, and of course, before we do that, we need Kevin to explain it all to us. Kevin, can you give us one of your lovely uh, story summaries? Well, of course. So, <laughs> Rise is about Marius, who's also known as this like revenge dude named Damocles, and he's a Roman legionnaire. His family gets killed when the barbarians invade, one of the many barbarian invasions that never actually happened, and... Then he goes off to get his revenge. So he goes on over to England where he fights Boudicca and Osman. And eventually everybody dies and he comes back to Rome and he kills some more people, including Emperor Nero. It turns out the gods have been meddling the whole time. And that's about that. (laughs) Perfect again. (laughs) You always make them sound so petty, (laughs) even when you're not done to it, which is a a nice touch. Uh, (laughs) As usual, we've mostly kept our thoughts to ourselves, as the three of us like to keep our opinions fresh for each other as the show unfolds. Although I know at least Sam tipped us off to his less-than-positive view of this game. 
but I want to start with you, Kevin, whom I know really appreciates Roman history. If that's true for you as well, Sam, you can let us know. But Kevin, you've spoken before, like on the Assassin's Creed Origins episode, that Roman history is your favorite or, or among your favorite periods and civilizations to learn about. Anyone who plays Rise knows this isn't, this isn't intending to play as a historically accurate story, which is fine. But as someone who isn't nearly as interested in Roman history, could you educate me and some of our listeners on how well this game depicted Rome? And to that end, how much did you approve or disapprove of that depiction? Well, the basics of the story are completely fake. (laughs) The Barbarians did eventually invade Rome, but not like that. You know, streets overflowing with Barbarians like that just clearly didn't happen in that time frame where the game is set. And it happens twice in the game. So it's it's completely wrong in that way. But <laughs> aside from that, its actual depiction of Rome is somewhat good. These characters at least did exist at some point. Uh, the gods were real gods that were, well, I mean, obviously, you know what I mean. They were, <laughs> they were gods that were worshipped in the Roman pantheon or, well, maybe not worshipped, but you know what I mean. They, they existed in it. And... Again, all the characters were there. Boudicca did exist. She did lead a rebellion against Rome. And Nero was an emperor who was pretty much awful. So That much I knew. You know, those those characters are, are real. So it, to that extent, I thought it did a pretty good job setting the setting the scene. So let's uh let's look at some of the main players in the story, starting with our hero, whom we've already alluded to, Marius. I think it's safe to say his story is not a unique one. In fact, it's not even the first TA playlist game to depict a hero avenging his murdered family. I, you know, Shadow of Mordor did that last year. And if we're really talking revenge tales, also we could include Darksiders there, if I recall correctly. Although I try to forget that game. And we aren't, yeah, and we aren't even a year into this monthly event now, so not not very unique. Uh, How do you guys feel about him as a protagonist? Were you drawn to his arc from being a a cog in the Roman military wheel to being a leader and eventually even a symbol of his soldiers and his people. Crytek isn't uh, historically known for their characterization. How'd they do here? I quite liked Marius as a character, actually. I think he was well drawn as long as you kind of appreciate that this is kind of a... It's not quite B-movie, but it's it's a fairly straightforward military tale um, in the vein of a lot of video games. Uh, Marius as a character and his motivations I thought were were fine. I did kind of struggle with with the actual uh, setup of the kind of revenge story in terms of it kind of came out of nowhere that that um Marius's sister and mother were killed uh, and then his father shortly killed afterwards. It all, it all kind of happened extremely quickly um to the point where you didn't necessarily see Marius get to react and, and to grieve um and then quite a lot of the the rest of the narrative there there are there are some moments when he kind of grieves and and reflects on what he's lost but i didn't necessarily get that um same emotional difficulty that we got say with talion in shadow of mordor with bayek in in origins i i didn't necessarily get a strong sense of his character kind of dealing with the grief and with the rage and stuff. He was just kind of going through the motions of, okay, I'm going to go out on my revenge story now, which again, I, <laughs> yeah. I can't fault too much given the kind of the vibe they were going for, because as I said, this is very similar to, to a lot of um, video game stories. 
that are kind of uh, fairly linear and combat focused they do tend to just kind of go okay there's your plot and then let's just go through it um to the end so it, it's fine um and i i did appreciate that um they at least tried to make marius's relationships relatively interesting uh particularly with italian i'm sure we'll come on to him in a second but um he he was yeah he was engaging enough i suppose that's that's all i can say about him really yeah i thought he was pretty engaging as well i don't fault it so much for the quick storytelling with his family at the beginning there's certainly in a different kind of story there would have been a place for that in this one i don't really feel like there was necessarily so i didn't really miss it he clearly is upset about his family and the way he reacts to it is by wanting to get revenge i think that worked just fine i don't think we needed to see him struggling with their deaths obviously that's something that he went through and we missed it but in terms of the storytelling in an action video game that doesn't really fit so i i think it's very forgivable that it wasn't there he is a bit one note, I think, and that revenge is pretty much all he does. He changes his targets in you know midway through, but ultimately he doesn't really do anything other than be a centerpiece of revenge. And to that extent, I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity because I don't, I don't know if they tried and failed or if they just didn't care. But I don't feel like the story really sends a message about revenge in any way either that it's it's good and worthy or not it's just a story where he eventually gets revenge and so (laughs) i didn't like that i thought there was opportunity for something a little bit better that wasn't realized in that way but ultimately i i thought it was pretty good i liked it yeah I, i generally was i generally enjoyed my time with marius as a character although uh it it does get very Hollywood in the latter half when he assumes the role of Damocles. You could you could so see that being taken right out of a movie, uh, for for better or worse. I I think in general that's that's where I'm going to come down a lot on this game is that everything's kind of just fine. I know I know Sam has stronger feelings one way. Kevin, you might have stronger feelings the other way. I think uh, for, for me everything is just very lukewarm with this game. Marius might be the highlight. I I, I did find myself drawn to him a bit. Uh, and his his relationship with uh, Vitalian. We should actually talk about him too, because I really liked uh, the bond that those two shared. Did you guys enjoy that part of it? I did, yeah. I mean, I think that was probably the strongest part of the entire game for me, actually, was, was, it, it was the fact that that bond kind of wasn't sullied by any kind of unfortunate plot twists um hmm. where you would normally expect a character like Vitalian. i mean i was fully expecting him to turn out to be either a full-on bad guy or to let let uh, marius down in some way and say you know i'm a soldier of rome i have to do what i'm told or whatever i think the fact that that bond kind of stayed there throughout was was a nice touch something that perhaps i would criticize assassin's creed for for maybe not doing so often because nearly every single mentor figure in assassin's creed in some way is some kind of <laughs> uh some twist happens and it turns out that nope they're the bad guy okay um so that was that was an actually a quite a refreshing um change of pace and um just to to quickly um mention the voice acting as well i thought that that those two characters had had the best uh, voice performances and i think that really helped bring out their bond um there's a lot of sort of 
uh, macho sensitivity kind of stuff going on there, which is is fine in small doses. You know, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> trying to sort of express their feelings for one another without 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 kind of going beyond the code of the of of their positions in the hierarchy of the army yeah. and stuff like that. And and yeah. it, it came across well, um, and it's helped as well by the uh, the facial animations as well i think i think that all came together really well in that relationship and the forearm handshakes those those always go far to oh always always those yep (laughs) yeah i thought they had a pretty good relationship as well i think that was another thing that might have been not expanded upon too much but you clearly got the feeling while you were playing the game that these two are are brotherly in some way or at least you know mentor you know, he he steps in, I guess, as sort of a father figure is probably what he's supposed to be. And so I, I think that works pretty well. He, I, I agree, actually. I, I'm glad that he didn't turn out to be bad. He wasn't behind Marius's father's death. So that was one thing that a less interesting game might have done to just add some extra drama. And I'm glad that Rise definitely didn't do that because, again, I... I like the bond that they had, so it, I thought it was it was very I, again like like everything else I've been saying. Apparently, I I thought it worked pretty well <laughs> despite not being too much. I will do as you bid, Father. I will save Rome from them. I'll spill their blood. I'm Commander Vitalian of the Fourteenth. I fought with your father. If it's blood you want, I promise I will give you as much as you can handle. You were the second, aren't you? Yes, sir. Not anymore. Welcome to the 14th, lad. Yeah, there's also a a number of villains from the the Smug Brothers, Basilius and Commodus, to their father Nero and his supernatural aid, whom we'll get to in a bit. Uh, regarding this trio of elites, though, how do they work for you guys as villains? Personally, I came away from the story not being very impressed overall, but I did think Crytek did a good job of making them out to be very hateable. Uh, how'd you guys feel about, about those three in particular? And then, I guess you could talk about some of the barbarian leaders as well, but that's sort of a different class almost. I thought... The children were not particularly interesting. They played basically spoiled brats who had a lot of power, which is fine for a villain. I, I did like, in general, how they didn't shy away from making at least part of Rome appear to be evil. They made the people of Rome into good, you know, not villains, which is arguably inaccurate if they had really depicted what <laughs> happened in britain they basically pinned it all on commodus and his brother which is not really how it was all the legionnaires did some pretty terrible things but either way i i thought that those brothers were fine in that they were what they were i did like Nero mainly I like Nero's inclusion I guess Nero as a villain in the game was again one note just like pretty much everything else but (laughs) Nero himself classically is pretty much pure evil the dude actually would dress up as a peasant and go on the streets and murder people as when he was emperor he just thought that was a fun pastime 
So, yeah. really? Jesus. so you know, he's he's not a good dude. So I, I was glad that they picked him to be the villain in here. At least that was appropriate. He definitely was a villain in reality, even if he wasn't a villain in this specific way. So I, I like him being the villain. But in terms of an actual story, well, he wasn't really that interesting. Uh, again, he was he was fine. Yeah, it kind of felt like we just saw him running for his life at the beginning, and then we cut back to like the the that same section later on with the end meteor res opening that it does, and then he's just running for his life for more uh, some more. Yeah, I the the villains were were terrible. I thought I I <laughs> I need to care about someone's revenge story in order to really engage with with the story and. I didn't care because I didn't really, I didn't hate the bad guys that much. Not because they weren't bad, but because I just didn't find out anything beyond a really kind of wallpapery uh, version of a bad guy. Uh, I didn't really feel too much incentive to kind of go after them because I didn't really know enough about them. I guess I, d- I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to explain, but but the villains were definitely one of the main reasons i got turned off this game very quickly because i like a, a really strong interesting villain um even if their motives aren't you know it doesn't turn out that they've got good intentions or anything like that i just like there to be a, a strong presence from the villain and and all three of them were just a complete waste of space i thought and and again just to to briefly touch on the voice acting i i, I felt that that uh basilius in particular was just Oh, awful! Oh, a terrible, terrible performance, <laughs> completely. And I just I switched off as soon as his cutscene started. Which, to be fair, they aren't there aren't that many of them, so I can't complain too much. But um, yeah, I I really needed some some more meat on the bone when it comes to the, the villains in the piece to in order to to keep the story going for me. So that was a bit of a shame. Hmm. So yeah, when uh, like I said about Nero, he was kind of almost background until the end for me. And Commodus, I felt like, doesn't get a lot of screen time other than his boss battle. But Basilius, uh, he was the one present when they reject that truce, right? Or they rejected... I forget the... I, I beat this game on February 6th, so it was, a, it was a quick month for playlists for me. But if I recall, wasn't Basilius present and he was the one that, that just outright rejected the truce, basically just out of his smugness? No, that... Well, Commodus is the one that killed the king and rejected the truce by killing him. oh it was okay yeah commodus basilius was definitely there they were both there but commodus mm-hmm. was in charge of the roman legionnaires or the roman army in general that was there in england so he was the one that had the authority to make the truce or not oh okay so i'm misremembering but either way the the point stands that uh, i thought that scene at least uh, sold them as as villains. That's when I say that they're very hateable. It was really because of that scene. Because for so long you're fighting these barbarians, and then they almost become sort of a, a sympathetic enemy at that point. Uh, although you know it still comes back around. You still have your big showdown with Boudica later as well. Uh, I've kind of touched on it, but in general, I felt like a lot of the story unfolds predictably. Did were you guys feeling that way? Like as soon as the game started and and Nero's running away from. Damocles. I I didn't predict that Mar- Marius was Damocles. What I thought was, you know, he was fearing a what he thought to be a literal god, and you know, when it really just needs to be Marius. 
that's not exactly how it turns out because they knew that Damocles was was human. But yeah, just from the very first moment, and this, you know, I should say this is my second time playing it. But I'm when I say this, I'm speaking to my first time in 2015 as well. That the way it opens, I could just you could just kind of foresee, or at least I could, that uh, not all was as it seemed, and and Marius wasn't really there to protect him, and just I don't know, a whole bunch of the beats were. were you could see them coming around every corner, I, I thought. Did, did you guys feel that way? I did, and that that was a bit of an issue for me. I mean, I don't. Uh, not every story should be full of twists and turns and shocks, and, and <laughs> uh, certainly a, a, a game and a story like this shouldn't necessarily be too full of those because that's not what it's aiming for. But at the same time, every single cutscene, uh, even just go cutscene by cutscene, I could tell what was going to happen by the end at the end of the cutscene from the beginning and it made the cutscenes seem more drawn out than they were. I mean, none of these were particularly long, but the the scene that you were describing a moment ago with Commodus rejecting the treaty, it's it's pretty obvious from from the his his mannerisms, the way he looks at the box when he's getting the treaty out and everything. It, it seemed really obvious to me immediately. Like, okay, he's just going to kill him, um, <laughs> and that meant that I was disconnected a bit from the rest of the scene playing out and maybe wasn't as emotionally engaged. So it's not necessarily that, you know, the whole plot needed to be very unpredictable, but I think some of the framing of the cutscenes was was pretty off. It it didn't seem like the the person at the helm of the cutscenes really had a particularly fine touch when it came to editing um the the scene down and uh framing things in a way that that might give you a little bit of oh maybe it's going to go oh no it's gone this way it it was all just like okay right we're just going to wait until the thing happens and then we'll carry on playing the game <laughs> um so so yeah the, again the cut, the cutscenes and and the direction of the cutscenes was was a a big stumbling block for me and and it's because every single time as you said you could see exactly what was going to happen uh, almost immediately, and and it kind of took all the drama away. You know, I didn't necessarily have a problem with that. I just felt like the game was succeeding at what it was trying to be. It was never trying to be an intricate, interesting story. It was just trying to be basically a recreate, well, not recreation, but a creation of a Roman myth. So it followed the standard template that mythical stories tend to have actual mythical stories where it's focused on the people they're doing really one thing it sometimes sends a message sometimes it doesn't and the gods are meddling throughout but never directly they're never the protagonist in any of these myths so to that extent i thought they did a fine job at doing exactly what they were trying to do so i didn't have a problem with all of that stuff whatsoever about the whole story being really predictable, which I'll definitely agree. It, it was, you knew what was going to happen, but that's not really the point I would say. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a, a fair point. Those, those stories of, of past civilizations, they do sort of follow a, a, a format in that way. So I guess in that way, maybe Crytek succeeded and we were just, uh, we've just seen it too many times by now. <laughs> They didn't have Xbox back then. I have to say that the particularly on the Damocles stuff. Oh, they mentioned that too many times. Uh, it, it, I already had got that he was Damocles about six times before they got <laughs> to the point where they went, and he's Damocles. Like, okay, I, 
I get it. I get it. Please stop mentioning <laughs> Damocles and yeah. whispering it in the background like, oh, Damocles. Oh, do you remember the story of Damocles? Yeah, I know. You told me the story of Damocles. I know I am Damocles. You can get on with it now. Um, but yeah, I know I know I'm very sensitive to that kind of stuff because I probably watch far too much of this kind of stuff. And, and I, to be fair, if I hadn't if I hadn't seen a, a story like this, you know, if this was my first console when it launched um and i hadn't really played a narrative like this through then i I maybe wouldn't be so cynical about it so i have to i have to take my own uh perspective with a pinch of salt sometimes as well (laughs) Hmm. yeah we'll we'll be getting on to some of the feedback shortly a lot of the feedback that i pulled and just a lot of the feedback in general was was rather positive on it uh which i thought was interesting i kind of expected everyone not just because it's how i felt with it being lukewarm, but I kind of figured that that was maybe the consensus opinion on Rise was that, you know, maybe the three word review is decent launch game, you know, and, uh, but it turns out, you know, some people weren't just apologizing for it being a launch game. Some people generally liked it. Uh, we'll, we'll get onto those bit by bit, but I do want to talk on, talk about the supernatural angle. We were just referencing some of the mythology. That's a good place to move next. Uh, so as we mentioned before, Rise regularly involves at least a pair of deities in the world. To my memory, there's only the two. Correct me if I'm wrong, misremembering any others. Just the game's rather short, and like I said, I beat it at the start of the month. On one hand, we have a, a golden-hued woman who often leads Marius out of danger, or emotionally, or sometimes even literally, helps him back to his feet. And on the flip side, we have the Roman aid, whose identity I'm still unsure of. This is going to be Kevin's chance for another history lesson. Uh, They seem to be having their own war between them, which might have been a cool avenue for a sequel to explore more of, or, you know, even maybe this game to explore more of. Uh, I'm guessing, like I said, this is probably another good entry for you, Kevin, to explain exactly what's going on here. I don't like Roman history too much, but I did always appreciate their mythology. Theirs and, and the Greeks as well, and Egyptians for that matter. <laughs> and uh, But I didn't recognize either of these characters. Are they, you said earlier they're meant to depict actual Roman deities, or has Crytek remixed their mythology as well? It, yes, I, I'm sure they're supposed to be real gods. Aquilo is a, a Roman god. He was the guy. I got that not from the game. The game didn't tell me, but uh, some article I was reading about it, someone mentioned that it was Aquilo and then a goddess called Summer. Rome had a goddess of Summer, but I don't remember her name. It definitely wasn't Summer. Obviously, they didn't speak English. So I, I don't know why they didn't use her Roman name while they used Aquilo, which is a Roman name. Really makes no sense to me. But anyway, I, I guess that's who they were supposed to be. I don't think it really mattered which gods and goddesses they were. That never really matters in these myths they've all got their own personalities that really have nothing to do with what they're the god of so <laughs> they they were there to serve as as gods and be a part of the myth because the myth required gods be there meddling and so there they were but i i can't unfortunately really give you a history lesson because i don't even know who summer's supposed to be and Aquilo is not really a a super important roman god he's just one of many and i think i wonder whether i mean it's we we may never know how far along uh crytek were with their high fantasy version of this game but i almost got a sense that perhaps at that point they were 
maybe trying to draw on something they were throwing together for the fantasy side of things that that really it was just kind of a a light versus dark um aspect of things i mean the way they seem to certainly by the end of the story the way they seem to be describing that particular game was order versus chaos so summer was was trying to uh keep hold of uh civilization and keep hold of some kind of um avoid some collapse back into anarchy and um our other guy who i'm just going to call winter because he had ice powers so i guess that's kind of what they were going for um it, i i think he was basically trying to um overthrow civilization and i guess that was the game they were playing i think uh, for for me i i've always quite liked those stories in mythology of, of gods playing games and, and meddling um it's it's also quite prevalent in uh, the Elder Scrolls to a certain extent as well. Uh, they've got a large pantheon of gods that, uh, rather than taking a direct interest, they're quite often just uh, taking advantage of the situation so that the humans are getting themselves in to, to play a few tricks and to get one up over one of the other gods. So I appreciated the concept, but I felt like they could have... What I would have liked to have seen, or maybe in a sequel, is to see them being a bit more meddlesome and a bit less uh, one note. I mean, Summer just seems to be very good and seems to be, you know, the the the, the heroine of, of the pantheon of gods because she's the nice one who's trying to make everything better for everyone, whereas it tends to be slightly more complicated than that in, in stories of mythology. It tends to be that, you know, even the one that seems to be doing good by the hero is only really doing it because they need to win a bet um so to see a little bit more of that kind of distance between the god's intentions and the ways that it plays out in in the human world would have been would have been nice but again i this is this is this is probably speaking more to their mysterious high fantasy game that never never got brought to light i'm sure that maybe they would have gone more into that in that game but clearly due to the development history of this game they they had to uh, cut things down to size and try and make it work in a in a roman setting so they they did what they could and and at least it was vaguely interesting compared to the normal motivations of a of a game like this yeah i i i like the inclusion of them as well i thought it was it was cool for them well i guess the remixing history is is sometimes a shortcut they take to make their story make sense but the inclusion of the supernatural element you know i i very much welcome that like like you said sam that I'm all for that. That that's cool. Assassin's Creed does that uh, in a different way, but I like it there as well. It's actually my favorite part of Assassin's Creed, which we've spoken about previously. Uh, but yeah, I, I think just here it feels like either they didn't really know what to do with them, or they knew exactly what to do with them in the sequel, which we'll get to later at the in the show. You know that sequel might never happen now, um, but to me it, it just felt like they had an outline. They didn't implement it in this game either deliberately or sort of because they dropped the ball in doing so, I guess. But we do have uh, some feedback I wanted to share, a first bit of feedback regarding regarding the gods. This comes from Cylon118, who says, said, uh, really like the story, not complicated, but very well put together, although maybe more should have been done with the gods, as including them and not really using them seems like a mistake. They just seem to wake Marius up a lot, which seems to be why this game is called Rise, in my opinion. As all it is, every level is getting back up after a fall, <laughs> which is sort of true. I, that's even how I characterized Summer when I was thinking of her in my head. It was basically she was always there to emotionally and sometimes literally, like I said, 
pick up Marius. But as you guys have uh, alluded to, that's sort of her role. She's she's the good guy in it. So let's move on to the the gameplay discussion. On TA, Rise is listed as a hack and slash, but if that came with one asterisk, it could probably be called more accurately a hack slash and quick time event. I think this is where many people will come down hard in the game, or at least I thought so, but as it turned out, the feedback was pretty positive, as we'll get to. Um, if the story is passable and inoffensive, if unremarkable, as I think a lot of people felt, I'm guessing we, we at least the three of us, all agree that the gameplay leaves a lot to be desired. Am I correct in that assumption? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I, I really like action games. So I thought this one was just, again, fine. It, it, wasn't, going, it wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. It, I didn't come away from playing it thinking, wow, that, what an amazing game. I don't think anyone did. But I think a lot of the hate for the quick time events comes down to its E3 2013 reveal where the buttons were literally on the screen as opposed to just the colors that we got in the final version of the game. They actually changed it based on the extremely negative feedback. But I thought without that E3 showing, people may not have even noticed the QTE bits so much. And QTE really is not a negative when it's drawn into the gameplay. It's just a button that you have to press. So all it did was make the executions interesting. They were there to make the gameplay look flashy and that's fine, and they existed to keep you engaged while it was looking flashy, which, again, is is fine. If they had removed them, the game would have definitely been worse for it. So, sure, there's some room to argue that the combat itself was simple, but I don't agree whatsoever that it was simple because of the QTE events. I thought those actually gave it a, quite a bit of extra depth. QTE events are, are negative when they're strung into cutscenes and stuff like that. They're awful there, but when they're actually within the gameplay, it's it's not really bad. And it's it's really not a ton different than a choreographed attack in a Dark Souls boss that you know you have to dodge. It, on a fundamental basis, when you see that, you know you have to hit B. There's not really a difference between that and the Q here being the enemy flashing red. You have to hit B again to dodge. It, yeah. <laughs> those aren't different. They're, they're the same concept. People just don't like them because they were wrapped up in the QTE thing, which is associated negatively in cutscenes. So that's my that's my spiel on, on why everyone else is wrong. <laughs> it's very you of, of you. <laughs> so interestingly, I, I, I didn't have an Xbox One when uh when they first came out uh i wasn't i had a 360 and that was my main console but i wasn't as as uh aware of the industry as a whole at the time i I wasn't really as focused so i missed most of this about rise and and the qtes and all the backlash and and everything else 
And I do definitely agree with Kevin to to an extent with the fact that the main problem I have with QTEs is when they're thrown into cutscenes when you don't really need them to be there at all. And I, I totally agree with that. And that's definitely not what they've done here. I think my issue mainly came around with the actual executions themselves. I felt like they were so common and you could do them basically every the, the combat loop seemed to come down to bash 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 wait for the execution moment to appear and then hit the buttons and which which as kevin said that that's not too dissimilar to to other games but i think that maybe the the issue for me was that it was too easy and too common to pull off those executions so they stopped feeling satisfying quite quickly and that kind of took away any i suppose for me if, it, if i'm playing a, a hack and slash quite often it's it's either it's going to be very technical and very rewarding every time i manage to kill anyone or it's going to be very super super light just kind of throwing my weight around just massacring the hundreds and hundreds of people and that's kind of uh, fun in its own way as well i think that there was a it kind of fell into a weird middle point where it wasn't quite satisfying either way for me because you had to uh, kind of execute these these sort of sequential button presses, but it didn't really feel any different from the last time you did it. And you have to, we don't have to, but you you get the opportunity to do it again and again and again and again in every fight against very similar enemies in a very similar situation that it just started to feel boring a little too quickly for me. And I'm not sure how they could have fixed it. Maybe... Maybe I'm used to in linear games like this having a bit more of an uncharted approach where there's there's more set pieces and, and not not necessarily kind of cutscenes with QTEs, you know, because I don't want to go too far down that route. But maybe if it had been a little bit more set PC, it would have it would have elevated those moments somewhat. But ultimately, I just I wasn't engaged, um, and I did. I, admittedly, I played most of the game on easy. I did go back and try some of the other difficulties, and I didn't find that it really made much difference to me personally it just meant that i had to sort of rein in my uh beating everyone around the head slightly and actually wait for the wait for the moments to strike which which is fine but it just wasn't it still wasn't particularly challenging i didn't think and yeah i just think the game that focuses so much on combat and narrative as the two kind of main selling points for the whole game because there's nothing else going on here both of them were a little bit too average to poor for me to really come away feeling anything except like okay I'm done with that I'm not going to think about that game again so so it was a bit of a shame shame for me um it, it, I can I can definitely appreciate what Kevin was saying though like it's it's not the fact that they are QTEs it's just perhaps the way in which you go about doing the loop of going through the QTEs it was it was just a little bit too too boring for me Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me not to echo what you guys said, because I agreed with a lot of what each of you said regarding your QTE point, Kevin, which which Sam also just agreed with. I, I'm totally in agreement there, too. I've never found QTEs to be offensive or annoying. Like it's, It seems the consensus opinion in like the gaming population of, of, of all of us on TA and elsewhere, uh, it seems like people generally hate them and they... They speak disparagingly of of their inclusion at any 
in, at any point in any game, and I've never really felt that way. I mean, there are some games that I, I really like that are essentially just QTEs, like some some Telltale games, and uh, you know they're problematic in a million ways, but they're interesting as from a gameplay way. Uh, you know, the Quantic Dream stuff, a lot of story-driven stuff like that. Uh, they kind of rely on QTEs, and I've always been fine with that, really. Um, so it's not for me like like it's like maybe it was for Sam. Uh, I think he was saying the same thing. It's not that they're included. It's that they're, it's basically it, you know, like they've taken the the sort of combat system of a Batman Arkham or an Assassin's Creed or Sleeping Dogs or so many other games. Like this game came out in 2013 after so many other games had taken a very similar combat system and put it as one bullet point in, in a broader experience. And Rise doesn't really offer any broader experience you know they they try to have some set pieces with um you know when you're when you're marching in in formation and there's a couple boss battles but for the most part you're running to an area taking out you know five to twenty barbarians with the same maneuvers over and over again and then you you know it's just rinse and repeat and there needed to be more i was thinking about how they could fix that as well and uh it, it just seems to me like other games that have taken this like active countering system like like Batman first introduced, uh, if I have that chronologically correct, uh, they've taken it and, and used it as a, as a facet to a broader experience and, and Rise just there is nothing else there. And it to that end, it was also confusing to me why they chose A to be the counter button since, like I said, it came out in 2013 after so many games had all pretty unanimously agreed that Y would be everyone's counter button or triangle if you're playing on PlayStation. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, they, they chose A, and that that was a little bit difficult to get into at first, but more so it was just kind of weird. I don't know why Crytek thought that that, that worked better for their controller scheme. And we also have um, Napo Earth from the forums sort of said the same thing. He, uh, they said, I'm halfway through the story and I'm really enjoying this game. It looks great, which everyone says, as we'll get to later. Plays well and has an interesting story. My only problem is I keep pressing Y to block instead of A, and then I get bashed in the face. <laughs> did you guys have that problem earlier? Or? I did, actually. And, and another interesting thing as well is that I, uh, that I know, obviously, Kevin was saying that in their original uh, E3 reveal, they had the buttons on the screen. And and that's, that's mainly what people... Uh, perhaps should have been angry about or you know when they're angry about qtes that was probably specifically what was annoying them so i understand why they took that away and and kind of did this kind of colored silhouette thing but towards the end of the game when they are pretty much cutscenes at one point when you're having to block as part of a sequence um both in the end of the commodus fight and the final encounter with nero um the a color the green color just looked yellow to me so i failed those hmm. like five or six times each even though i was playing on easy because i was like oh uh, oh okay now we're aing are we because that hasn't happened up until this point and i almost was like i wish they just put a on the screen <laughs> at that point because that would be someone <laughs> know what i was pressing but um but no i did i did find it kind of odd i mean the a button is kind of odd in a lot of games i find that some you suddenly find a developer kind of at a loss as to what to do with it and it it's never quite what you expect it to be but i guess i 
I always, when I go into a game like this, I mash every button near the beginning of the game to to get my own sense of of what they all mean. <laughs> so, which is why I, I I kind of detest when games have too much of a tutorial. Which, to be fair, this game didn't um didn't kind of overly do the tutorial part, um because it's part of my process to when I first start a game to go, okay, no, that didn't work. What does that button do? Oh, okay, that does that, and that's that's how I get it in my head. So, I guess I I got over the the block button pretty quickly, uh, apart from apart from those those few encounters at the end when they suddenly switch things up Re- regarding uh you know just the general combat system i had another piece of feedback i wanted to share from uh, it's another new gamer tag every month we get some new people in there which is nice uh bilbo 3d cnc i think i'm reading that correctly said just finished the storyline tonight i enjoyed it although i have to say for a roman soldier Marius stands there and looks at his enemy way too much instead of just killing them and ending the need for a second and sometimes third battle, which, you know, that's that's classic action hero stuff, as as is the fact that, like, everyone politely waits their turn to approach you for the most part. You know, there there are certain enemies that'll break up your your combos more often, but uh, for the most part, everyone just sort of huddles around a circle and like waits for their chance to be slaughtered. (laughs) All right. That was just funny to me. (laughs) No, I mean, <laughs> it's it's very true, actually. I they do kind of do that, and I guess that is just a a gaming thing. There are some action games where they don't do that, and they'll attack you from off screen. And those games are very, 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 very difficult. So I'm sure that's why <laughs> they're doing that. Uh, if you hmm. if you don't have them waiting for that, like Assassin's Creed, and I assume Batman style games do then the difficulty ramps up exceedingly high very quickly so that's that's something developers just basically have to balance Hmm. yeah and i think that even i think nowadays that some developers have tried to perhaps mask that process a little bit more but i have to remember back to uh, like assassin's creed unity like that was that was it people would just stand in a pretty regular five point formation around you and then you'd get a flashing gold symbol when they were coming at you so you know i can't fault rise for that that was that was the uh, the mode of the time really uh, mm-hmm. was to, was to do that so 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 that was fine and 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 like kevin said if in these kind of tight corridor situations that you've got in the game if they hadn't done that then the game would have got very impossible very quickly and not in a not in a fun kind of uh or or challenging dark souls kind of way just in a this is irritating kind of way so i think i think they they hmm. kind of they, they did what they had to and, and that particular aspect of it didn't annoy me too much yeah i think in some ways rise is a good snapshot of xbox circa 2013 when it launched alongside the xbox one the in, Inclusion of Connect and Smart Glass, which was just a smartphone app that basically acted as like a strategy guide for certain Xbox games you were playing at the time. You know, that and like the in the Connect, like I said, those things really call back to the Don Matrick era of Xbox leadership, where everything needed to include these peripheral devices and apps and games had to be more than just simply games, which, you know, quickly backfired on them, as we saw. Uh, since then, Phil Spencer's come in and cleaned things up for the better, I'd argue. You guys can challenge me on that if you feel like it. Um, but I don't think any of us played with the Connect for Rise, did we? Should we get that out of the way first? I did when I played it in 2013. I had a Connect, and so so yes, I I did. Oh, okay. 
I, I've never owned a Connect, so no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I very briefly did with the 360, uh, and even as they're deeply discounted now, I'd, I'd ignore them for Xbox One. I don't see the point. Um, but how do we feel then about the Connect integration? Because obviously this this game tries to push you into using it, which made sense when it came bundled with the system. At this point, you know there are so few people that own a Connect, and it. It's to the game's detriment, I would argue, that if, if you don't have it, you instead have to hold LB for, like, literally four or five seconds. And it just seems really clunky, like, deliberately clunky, though, you know? Like, they, they wanted you to sit there with the connector, sit there with your long LB hold, and decide, well, I guess connect is easier, I'll use that, just so they could get some usage out of the thing. But, uh, it, it and, you know, at this point in age, five years, five years on almost, it, it kind of hurts the game, I would argue, that you don't have a you know most people don't have a connect and now the game suffers for it i i don't holding lb while we're doing all these other combos i i know it's it's not exactly a game of twister with your fingers it it kind of worked but uh it was just annoying really you didn't feel that way <laughs> no it, it it was but so in terms of their implementation of non connect gameplay basically the alternatives i i agree that was not well done. There's no reason to make it so obtuse and just generally mm. bad. Well, no, yeah, no good reason. We know they're bad <laughs> yeah. reason because they want us to use. Well, the let's see. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I, I agree with that because that makes it sound like they had some kind of devious purpose. You know, like we're gonna ruin these people's <laughs> gameplay, so they have to use Connect. And I, <laughs> I don't think that they did that. So I, I think it was just poor design decision. Uh, clearly they didn't want you accidentally doing anything but uh, so i mean I, I guess i agree with with that but i i think this whole discussion should not be about the alternative and which is clearly kind of clunky and not that great but rather when you do play with connect which i guess you guys didn't do so you can't really add anything to this but it sounds really it's really fun <laughs> to scream at, at yourself at least <laughs> <laughs> I, I still remember. No, you, you do. It's though. like watching like, the news. Are, <laughs> these are big, exciting battles, and so I'm I'm not afraid to look like an idiot. So <laughs> I I would like go into these, and I saw okay, I'm supposed to pretend like I'm in a battle here and shout out commands. So that's what I'm going to do and see what it's like. And so I did. And obviously, you know, my my wife's girlfriend at the time did not think that was a very great thing to do, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, I, I did it anyway, and it, it's it's really fun. It it actually makes you feel like you're in a battle. So, you know, you you call and tell your your legionnaires to fire, and they do. It just feels awesome. So, I I really liked it. What I guess they could have done as an alternative instead of making you just hold a button. I wish they would have integrated like an actual just Xbox mic that you normally use obviously the xbox can read what you're saying off of those mm -hmm. so why that wasn't an alternative that other games have taken i i don't know i couldn't say i i think it's very sad that people that don't have connect don't get to experience how awesome that actually feels so you guys completely <laughs> missed out on that and you know that's that's too bad yeah and i think that it's going to be something that that any connect game or connect uh, a game with connect functionality is, is going to have these moments of frustration uh, because as far as I'm aware from, from the stories I've read of, of development at the time, 
a lot of the i mean this must be true of most console launches as well but a lot of companies i think were were struggling to necessarily understand exactly what was going to be available and what was going to be possible with the console so the implementation of the the whole there'll be button may have been a late development thing because they didn't really understand like is everyone going to have connect or what are the options going to be if they don't or if they don't want to use it so i think a lot of console launch games and particularly games that are trying to include an accessory that has been they've only really seen a tech sheet for they haven't necessarily seen like the or, or the dev kit they haven't seen the final product i think there's, there's always going to be these little stumbling blocks so i didn't really i i didn't fault the developers for that but certainly as a as a game experience it was it was slightly frustrating and i think if i had had a connect i probably would have shouted at the tv a couple of times but not <laughs> I mean, this is the whole problem with the Connect. I think it's one of those things where you, you you do it once and it's funny and it's fun, but you wouldn't do it every night for weeks, especially when you're not necessarily directly engaging with someone else. And I think that 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 kind of technology in the future, I think it's going to be more useful in in a social situation. I think when you know when you when you're talking at people in a game it's more fun when you're talking at actual people in the game that are responding to you and doing something like in a co-op situation like we'll probably see with sea of thieves soon you know where communication is going to be key and you, you are going to shout orders like a like a pirate on a pirate ship and and that's 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 rewarding but when it's <laughs> when it's obviously just you trying to say the words properly so a computer will interpret them so the thing will happen it's it's a little bit too robotic for me i suppose so that was partly why i wasn't really sold on getting an xbox one at the beginning because that that was that was kind of all all that was going on with the press was was talking about connect so i i i i feel sorry for for crytek in a way that that the whole implementation of that kind of probably affected their development cycle and probably introduced a lot of the problems i have with the narrative and the gameplay of this game because they had to chop and change it so much um so while as a game i I definitely have a lot of problems with it i I don't necessarily fault the developers because who knows what that whole mess of a situation xbox one launch was like for the developers i'm sure it was hell well, yeah. According, I was doing a little Wikipedia reading up on the uh, the history of this game last night when I was preparing to record, and uh, according to that, and I didn't click through to see where that was being sourced from, but Crytek, when they knew that they were remodeling the game and, and taking it down a different avenue other than uh, what it first was revealed to be, <clears throat> they. And I don't, you know, like you're maybe saying, Sam, I don't know how much influence Microsoft had in this decision, but it read as though Crytek made this decision on their own. And the decision was to choose between uh, keeping it connect required, going, taking the middle path and having connect functionality that's optional or removing connect entirely. And it said, ultimately, they chose, you know, obviously the that middle path. But yeah, I don't... Th- just in, in the wording that I read, it didn't it didn't reference the fact that Microsoft was you know influencing them influencing them to do that. But um, I could see it being true that maybe they thought that would help since they like like we also learned earlier that they did feel it was crucial that they launch alongside the Xbox to the extent that they were given the chance to delay it and work on it some more, and they apparently chose not to because they wanted to be out on launch day. 
is they said that was an, an emotional event. That was the quote that I read that they, they really wanted to attach themselves to that. Uh, so I could, I could see them doing it free of any publisher influence. Um, although, you know, it also seems like a lot of that from a lot, a lot of games from that era were heavily influenced by Microsoft, uh, to include that connect stuff or, but yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's not true. Um, what about, yeah, I, and I agree uh, equally as as much as I don't want to necessarily paint the developer as a bad guy. Equally, Microsoft aren't. I'm not necessarily painting them as a bad guy either. But even if they weren't particularly involved in kind of badgering Crytek about what they're doing with certain uh, implementations of of their hardware, just the information flow. I mean, notoriously, the, the the messaging was pretty bad for the public at the time for for Microsoft. So, let, so who knows what the messaging was like for the developers? But <laughs> just just the information that was probably coming into them as the Kinect was being developed and tweaked and and stuff for the Xbox One probably had a massive impact on on what decisions they made. And and the the market was so strange at that point. You know, who knew? Who knows whether? Who knew rather whether Connect was going to continue to be a big thing or whether Smart Glass was going to be a huge deal? They had to kind of. I think a lot of developers went for that middle road of of implementing it but not making it essential because they needed to test how the market was going to go. So I think that was definitely the case for Connect and Smart Glass in in this game. Hmm. And what what about Smart Glass to that point? Then um, did you guys use it at all? I I remember I. When I first beat this game in 2015, I did use it here and there. Um, I think it like lets you know when collectibles are near and things like that. I don't remember exactly what it did for this game. Uh, and I do think this is probably the only game I've ever used it for. At this point, I, I just assumed it was offline and I didn't look for it this time. I didn't see the point, frankly. Did you guys um, use Smart Glass at any point, either in your previous playthrough, Kevin, or, or now for both of you? Yeah, I, I did. I don't even remember it honestly i i know at launch i thought you know i'll i'll try this out let's see what this is like so i i know i did but i i couldn't tell you how my experience was obviously it was forgettable <laughs> uh, forgettable yeah <laughs> but what what specifically it was like i i legitimately have no idea i i don't know <laughs> so i mean maybe that just tells you all you really need to know about it yeah i mean i used it briefly and uh, they did a similar implementation for um assassin's creed unity which is when i jumped onto to xbox one um which you know that was a whole different disaster but um <laughs> but I, th- I think at the time when this game came out if i bought it then i probably would have used smart glass but to be honest since then now we've got things like true achievements and like very accessible and and alternative guides and not necessarily relying on on things like guidebooks and and apps that will tell you where things are you know you can choose to follow a guide that is written or presented in the way that you prefer to play i think that something like smart glass is always destined to kind of fall by the, by the wayside because it's very limited in the way that it's going to it's it's going to work one way for everyone whereas the internet is there literally for people to find many ways to 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 find information about one thing so i think that it's a cool gimmicky idea but it was never gonna become something Uh, i can see why crytek wanted to include it on the off chance that it did but i personally yeah i can i can see why that that particular app and and its use has, has dropped by the wayside quite rapidly because people will find their own way of 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 finding guides and and things like that yeah, re- recently Phil Spencer 
uh, speaking, I forget to which outlet he was speaking, but he mentioned, you know, the, the, the big quote that was pulled from that for all the headlines was, you know, Phil Spencer says Xbox needed a reboot or admits Xbox needed a reboot. And I think, you know, things like Smart Glass, uh, their exclusives problem that people talk about all the time, even Connect, you know, these, I think these are the things that he's talking about rebooting and he's sort of still, you know, that's been the story of this whole generation for Xbox is wiping away the, uh, the, smear of uh bad press that the original launch and and run up to launch for the xbox one had and so yeah it's in that way it's it's funny to look at rise as such a snapshot of that era um but yeah and then also to that point though it you know we've spoken about its faults kevin's obviously higher on this game than me or, or certainly you sam but you know he's even admitted these faults various faults that the game has how many of those is it fair to chalk up to rise just being a launch title historically speaking launch titles are very hit and miss and really have seemingly a higher percentage of misses than later generation games once you know dev- developers get their feet under them and they, they learn how to work with their with the new systems i look at rise and i see a mediocre game but i give it a pass on things to some extent at least five years on now because uh because of that context is it fair to look at it that way? Are you guys as lenient as me in that way? I, I suspect not. I think Kevin said earlier that's not what he does, right? I, I guess in some ways, I mentally, I can separate whether or not a game is good from whether I enjoy it. And I think the thrill of a game's launch does, well, a console's launch does make you tend to like these games a bit more. Uh, it, even if, well, if they're decent at least. even Well, even awful ones at least have have some positive memories like pdz which i know we perfect dark zero we dodged that bullet i played it at launch and even at the time i recognized you know this is a a truly horrible game this is not fun at all but (laughs) uh, and and to be fair after buying my 360 and playing that for like a week i went back to my regular xbox and halo 2 so that's that's what i thought of that i i did not like it at all but it (laughs) Even that one, I, I have some positive memories of it, probably directly related to just positive memories of the the general joy of, of having a new console. So uh, I'm sure the same thing applies to Rise at least a little bit in terms of me enjoying it maybe more than, and remembering enjoying it more than it really deserved. But I think on on a technical level, which is what I've tried to talk about in this podcast that it's it's not so so poor as others make it out to be either way i i I don't think that i've given it extra credit just because it was a launch game when evaluating its its technical issues i've not actually owned a console at launch since i think the playstation 2 Hmm. um i don't know i i think i actually am a bit cynical and i do see launch titles usually as having a potential to not be the best that well i mean obviously they're not the best that a console can produce because developers need to get their hands on it and and really push it to its limits that's why people talk about swan song games for consoles because that's when people have really got to know the hardware and and uh have found their feet with it and are really pushing it to its limit but Mm -hmm. i think 
yeah there was definitely i guess the the only press i was hearing about the xbox one launch around e3 which i hadn't seen myself was was generally saying like oh not sure where this is going so it did have an impact on my opinion of rise i think that i've seen it sitting around in my library and thought oh that's one of the launch titles so probably all caught up in all that nonsense so it probably won't be my cup of tea Uh, and while that's an unfair assumption (laughs) now that i have actually played it and i obviously don't have any of that hype and and um that positive energy coming around because i've just opened up my new console and i'm putting the game in I do find that I'm I am seeing the cracks that I would attribute to it being a launch title. Um but maybe that's unfair. I mean Cry I don't know Crytek very well. I don't I haven't played a lot of Crytek games anyway. Maybe maybe some of these issues are things that they often struggle with in other games as well. But to me it certainly seemed like th- the fact that it's a launch title is my is the only reason i can think as to why it's having such particular problems so i suppose that that does color my um interpretation of of why i'm struggling with it even if it's uh, even if the problems that i'm seeing are nothing to do with it being actually at launch because obviously we're five years away from that now so yeah it's a bit of a weird one it, it definitely definitely has an impact i think on on the way that i see it and other people see it for sure in speaking to Crytek's reputation, I think the one thing that they they are typically known for and praised for uh, is their ability to to put out like beautiful looking games. Uh, you know, I, I remember the original Crisis was so intensive on gaming PCs back in the day that that was, it was basically became like the the bar that you had to clear to to determine whether or not you had a, a powerful gaming pc like can it run crisis and i think a lot of that was its its visual uh, prowess and that's obviously true here for rise as well uh, or you know maybe i shouldn't say obviously i i think that the game still looks pretty awesome especially given that it's five years old and it looks better than some games that are coming out this year uh and it seemed that the community largely agreed we have some feedback i'll get to but to open things up to you guys uh is is that at least one area where we can all agree that rise looks beautiful or you know regardless of the the colored silhouette qtes that kind of get in the way no wow um (laughs) i can see that technically it's impressive and it's still technically impressive compared to a lot of companies that actually have a larger budget than Crytek probably did. I mean, I know they're not a small developer, but there are a lot of massive powerhouse companies now that still don't seem to be able to reach that kind of that that technical quality. But it's very much a technical quality for me. I very very much value art direction over graphical intensity or impressiveness. I always have, and I hmm. felt that the facial animation stuff was all great, and then that the, the characters looked great, but the environments were just not very noticeable or engaging. And I did find times when I decided to swing the camera around and look at the the landscape in the background and the skybox and thought, well, this is kind of empty and not very interesting. And I tend to think that there's a lot to be said for scaling back your technical ambitions in order to just have... Uh, consistent and interesting art style and have more capacity to 
kind of add more assets to it. So as in as in if you if you had a lower quality graphical uh, approach and you had a really interesting and consistent art design, you would have more capacity to expand that out and have more interesting details. And I think that for me, it just fell into that kind of brown looking that era kind of game where it just it just find it looked fairly realistic but what it was showing me wasn't that engaging for me at all and and that was i guess that that impacted my impression of the game quite a lot because i went i went in knowing that that was one of the strong highlights and and one of the things that both crytek was known for and and rise as a launch title was known for and so it was a bit disappointing to to kind of come at it and think yeah okay it's technically looks looks good but i'm not I'm not immersed. I'm not engaged. I'm not. I'm not exploring every nook and cranny, trying to find an interesting artistic detail because it's not. It's not there, and it's. It's something that that a company like say Nintendo has always been. Mm-hmm. People always say, you know, why don't they, you know, upscale their consoles to meet the meet the graphical quality of their competitors? And I agree to that with that to a certain extent, but they they've got their finger on the pulse when it comes to making their games beautiful through art direction over technical prowess. So yeah, unfortunately Hmm. for me, I didn't see what everyone else has been seeing. So, so I'm as disappointed as you are. You know, I, I actually like the visuals in this game a lot. I think they worked. I, I thought it was colorful. I, I know you called it drab. I mean, the world itself is not full of bright colors at that time. At least you'd only have what occurred in nature. So you don't really have those colors that we're more accustomed to to seeing in in modern day obviously there's some and the environment could have shown more but in terms of and maybe i'm highlighting you know your conversation about color more than you really intended but i i did not find the world to be drab at all i thought it was full of of rich visuals that were worth looking at it they set the stage extremely well in just about any time they tried to do it. So I, I thought overall it it created a, a visual experience that really worked. I thought, or rather, I, I found myself constantly just looking at things. And I, I know you just said you didn't do that, but <laughs> uh, for me at least, I, I did. And I normally don't even do that. And part of that is just because I like Rome a lot. I did the same thing in Assassin's Creed where I'd stop and actually just watch things happen i I did that here it wasn't nearly as interesting as assassin's creed obviously that one had more time in the oven to bake probably but here it i thought it was definitely very very interesting i thought the visuals added to the game quite a lot and made it much better than it would have otherwise been if it was just a mediocre looking game i think in all of these like sort of narrative driven and it granted the start narrative wasn't really all that great but a narrative driven game like this good visuals are very important and this game had them so it and it needed them hmm. yeah I, I always i went against the grain with assassin's creed origins and i i was saying on that episode during that month that i wasn't actually that impressed as everyone else was uh but i gave it somewhat of a pass just because i figured well you know they if they're trying to work within some semblance of historical historical accuracy then you know the, the, the all the architecture then was sort of more one note than than the more diverse like cities and landscapes we see now 
So I, I kind of didn't mind it. And I, maybe that's how I look at Rise's uh, actual design as well. I, yeah, I think we're, we all agree that technically it's beautiful. And then Kevin liked it more than just on a technical level as well, as did a lot of our forum posters. I probably lean towards that way a little bit just because, like I said, maybe, you know, if you if you're depicting some version of sort of historically accurate classical Rome, you probably didn't have a, a wide, uh, a wide uh, color palette to work with. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, when, when they did like with the reds uh, and the golds, they, I thought those, those stuck out rather nicely. We had uh, one quick sort of, I thought a humorous exchange in the forums too, regarding the visuals and, you know, to that end, some of the character design. Jen Karth uh, said, definitely one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, even if, even if it's the same three barbarians that are beautiful, to which Say Hey 29 sarcastically, or maybe almost literally, uh, replied, hey, there are at least five different barbarians, which <laughs> is, 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 I don't know, like how, how many more than five actually are there? Probably, what, eight maybe, I'd say? Uh, not many. <laughs> well... I mean, I because I I saw that that comment and and it was originally in my very long negative column for this game to say like oh there's not many any enemy types and then I thought actually there aren't many enemy types in most games especially yeah. not like this and again I think it comes down to the art direction for me that I even noticed that and uh, gamers and me included are, are quite prone to to. I think finding a negative and maybe directing it in the wrong direction. So I think that that I my immediate reaction was, oh, all these barbarians are the same. But actually, I think that the problem was more that their design wasn't interesting enough in the first place. And so I was noticing that because there are so many games that have far fewer enemy types, or they the only enemy, way they change the enemy type is to slightly change the color, which is Darksiders is very. Uh, I'd noticed that a lot in 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 that game. That basically every time you went to a new area, I was like, "Oh, there's new enemies." They just had a slightly different kind of elemental design, but they were just the same enemy. Hmm. And I think I wonder whether that's where some people have come down on this game, perhaps a little too harshly, and and, and maybe me too. Is that maybe Rise is less making sort of bad design decisions, sort of fundamentally in terms of how many enemy types there are, and more just that art design is perhaps unmasking some of the the classic tropes of games that are always there anyway maybe they're just they're not doing as as meticulous a job of trying to hide some of their kind of limitations in terms of the way a game like this would work just like we were talking about earlier with the fact that they will wait for you to hit them as well you know it's it's just that then that rise doesn't particularly mask the fact that it's going to have to reuse assets because you know this it'd be ridiculous to expect, expect anything else Right, so we should uh, we should move on to multiplayer, and we, we had a bit of feedback in that regard as well. Um, I didn't play much of it, but I did enough to talk about it. 
so Rise post-launch, it added a bunch of maps and paid and free DLC, free updates. But it all boils down to the pretty much the same mode as far as I can tell. Correct me if I'm wrong there. It looked, it seemed to be just entirely two-player co-op versus horde survival modes, essentially. I'm not usually one for multiplayer, but lately I've found myself interested in several more games. It's It's been actually a really weird change that I've been <laughs> undergoing lately. But I have to say Rise, Rise is not included in, in the recent bevy of multiplayer games I've been taking part in. I bounced off this one pretty quickly. Uh, and I, I really wanted to get into it because I wanted to play with the community. And it was just, it was really a bore for me. I, you know, it's 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 like, because the, sto- the single player is so one note, and like I said, there's not enough variety there. So then multiplayer essentially takes that note and then removes even the narrative, which was maybe what pushed me through the story mode. So to to really even take that facet out of the experience, it just it wasn't deep enough to hold me. Uh, how'd you guys get on with on with the online modes? Um, so I had a brief look at, at the online modes uh, over the last couple of days. I haven't had an awful lot of time to to try and meet up schedules with the people that are still still playing this um but <laughs> uh it yeah and again i guess i'm coming out the same as you mark it, if the combat was a particular sticking point for me in the main game then then the multiplayer's not gonna seem that appealing it's, it wasn't high up on my list of, of things to prioritize while i was <laughs> struggling so much with the with the with the main story so yeah, it just it seems like one of those games where it has a very dedicated following. I mean, a lot of the the feedback from the forum seems to be that 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 there are people who really really love this kind of thing, and and certainly I think that's true for a lot of multiplayer games. But for me, it felt like another aspect of this game that was perhaps slightly underdeveloped and maybe cobbled together out of whatever the original experience was supposed to be, which is a bit of a shame. Hmm. yeah for me i i think i completely agree with sam i think the whole multiplayer experience i was looking into it well rather just reading some general interviews from before and after the the game launched just to to get a feel for for what the developers thought at the time and it sounded like they had originally hired a completely separate development studio to actually create like a complete competitive multiplayer suite and it just obviously didn't happen in the end so Hmm. i do wonder a bit you know what what would have could have been but what we're left with is is clearly not very good it feels very tacked on i do like some of the maps you know they they set really grand coliseum stages that are that can be really fun. Some of the scenarios are great, but some of the simple ones are, are really not. And there's probably just way too many enemies anyway. It's cool to see all of this stuff work. And and that's really the only reward to it because the gameplay is really not all that fun to just do over and over again without any of the, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the single player campaign adds quite a bit of different things to do to mix that up so that you're not constantly only just doing the combat and the multiplayer doesn't really have that. So it it was not even remotely as fun, unfortunately. Yeah, it is always interesting how, you know, th- there, are, there are some exceptions. But for the most part, it feels like every game, you know, just, just as in general, like every game 
is somebody's favorite game. Like you could pick out any game and somebody in the world probably loves it. I'd imagine that's not literally true, but that's generally true. And the same thing kind of applies to multiplayer modes too. Like I bet there are still people playing the tacked on Tomb Raider from 2013 or 2012 multiplayer. Like a lot of games have like afterthought online modes, but yet you still find people who love them. And we had a couple people in the forums reporting that they bumped into such players. Uh, Hawkeye Barry 20 said he just I had just played some multiplayer with someone whose level was over 1000 absolutely insane I thought this person <laughs> I thought this person loves the game and must be number 1 on the all-time leaderboard they were only ranked 316 I'm at level 50 and have 2.5 million in XP they were at almost 94 million <laughs> and then Johnny Inter it says well, the gamertag is Johnny Inter FNK. I'm going to say Johnny Inter Funk. Johnny, if you listen, you can correct us for future episodes. I know you're in the forums a lot. Uh, he said he ran into someone with, and I almost feel like this must be inaccurate. Maybe he's reading the wrong stat because Hawkeye said he ran into someone who was over level 1000. Johnny Inter Funk says he ran into someone with rank of 40,000 plus, like like over 40,000, some, somewhere in that range. Uh, is is that even possible? <laughs> like. I have no idea. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I would never do it if it is possible. I, you would. It would not be me. Oh. That's for sure. But I, I don't know. Maybe it might be possible. I, yeah. I just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna believe him. He's not a liar. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yeah, no. Yeah. Cer- certainly, I don't think he's lying. But I. I just wonder with all those stats up there. Maybe that wasn't multiplayer rank. But. But then you know, forty thousand XP isn't really even impressive given that number 316 on the leaderboard had 94 million so uh, if, if this person is multiplayer rank 40,000 something or other that and especially if, he, if that person's not number one oh, it just goes to show you that like every everything is somebody's favorite thing it's just it's just crazy to me <laughs> yeah and i think sometimes it comes down to you know who knows maybe these people don't have a lot of disposable income and they've they've just carried on with this game because it's the one they have and and they've just really got into it and and they carry on with it i mean certainly there's lots of games that i would think oh this must be a dead server by now and you go on there and think nope there are people still going round and round in circles on this on these same maps so it's a phenomenon that i've never understood but you know <laughs> I, I i think you know to give to to be fair i think there's plenty of people that would look at what we guys do on ta and think oh my god there are people that have millions of gamer score like you know it's, it's oh yeah it's different layers of this kind of thing um and i think that <laughs> ta in particular are uh, perhaps a little bit confused by the people who might stick to one game specifically for so long because obviously we're, we're we tend to be people chasing a bit of gamer score so we we might be slightly more likely to uh, bounce off games and, and go for the next one once the achievement list is done so yeah it's an interesting insight into another world <laughs> <laughs> yeah to yeah to your point i uh you know my gamer score like like kevin's I, I don't know where yours is sam i think yours is a bit lower than ours but not too much but uh you know kevin's and, and mine are are both in like the 200 thousands i think or 100 thousands i forget yeah i forget now i i'm up at 200 thousand something i think okay yeah i, I know i'm not sh- far behind you so i must be around there as well yeah con- considering the website run we should probably know that but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i uh you know, so when I'm playing with my younger brother and oftentimes he'll like have his friends in our Xbox parties and they, they all look at, at my gamer score like like it's unfathomable. And, you know, I, I tell them like I'm like ranked like 126,000 on site. Like there are many, many people that have 
have a lot higher scores than me like but it's just <laughs> it's all that perspective i guess yeah so yeah we sh- i wanted to touch on sequel talks for this game i thought that was an interesting avenue for rise because obviously it hasn't happened to date and maybe it won't there was talk of a sequel for this game but those rumors seem to have died down i'm it's it's hard to tell at this point in time uh, partly due to confusing, conflicting reports. Originally, it came out that Microsoft and Crytek couldn't agree to IP ownership rights. I, I think Crytek generally does own all their IP, and Microsoft promised funding if they could take the take the claim of the IP, and Crytek disagreed, and then it seemed um, negotiations had, had, had died off. Uh, and then since then, though, there's been word that the relationship isn't nearly so fractured, and a sequel actually is still possible. But I, I think at this point, it feels like it's not going to happen anymore. We, we could be wrong. Maybe we'll see it in, even in June. <laughs> if so, it'd be quite a surprise for me, at least. Uh, but let, let's for a moment assume it's still on the table. What what could rise to, and, and we I think we referenced this earlier, uh, what, what could it do to make you interested? Or maybe you'd already be interested. I, I would definitely be interested in it. I, obviously, I've... I've expressed that I like to hear about history quite a lot. I know they had said that a sequel to it wouldn't even be set in ancient Rome anymore. It'd be set in a different time period. So I think, uh, obviously, there's no room for a direct sequel. Marius is dead. And, you know, you could tell a different story within Rome or you could you could go somewhere completely different. I was always curious about why the game was named Rise, spelled like that. It it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was always a little curious about that. So maybe they could, uh, yeah. Create some meaning for it by, you know, connecting the story somehow, or at least using centralized themes, uh, maybe take it on with the, the whole mythology aspect and continue telling new myths. That could be interesting. I think there's plenty of room for, for growth here. So I, I definitely would hope to see that. Whether or not we ever will, unfortunately, I, I would suspect that we won't. But I, you know, it's it's nice to dream. I would I would definitely like to have another one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from from what I know of of Crytek, they're having all sorts of trouble themselves in the last couple of years. So I don't know what state they're in as a company. But, yeah, true. I mean, who knows? I mean, equally, Microsoft are looking to pick up companies at the moment. So maybe. Maybe we'll get a rise to through Microsoft picking up Crytek. Who knows? Um, but but in terms of a sequel, um, I mean, if if I've been quiet on this show it, and 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 maybe not as as uh, flagrantly negative as people might have been expecting, given the fact that I said that I I dislike the game, it's partly because I just there was nothing I hate more than a game that doesn't give me anything to say. And doesn't mm-hmm. do enough for me to. I, I I prefer to play a very bad game that I can talk a lot about than than a game that's just a bit eh. So yeah, I fine. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't say I'm particularly interested in a sequel directly. And if it's true that they're thinking about going off into other time periods, that sounds a little too close to Assassin's Creed for for me to be able to digest because <laughs> yeah. I'm such a big fan of that series. I mean, it's fine if they want to go that way, but I don't have or need another game that does that exact same thing so so that that wouldn't appeal to me i think what what i what would appeal to me the most is to to see what this fantasy game was that they're originally going to put in i mean some of the the very small details i liked about this game were things like the 
um, the system for how you control what points you get out of the execution. So when you execute someone, you can tap the D-pad to decide whether that's going to be XP or you're going to get additional damage or regenerate your health. I thought that that seemed really out of place for the kind of game that it was trying to be in the setting. But I was thinking that would be a really interesting route for a fantasy game to go down if those D-pad mappings were like, you know, uh, increase your elemental damage or increase your your XP towards leveling up some some other skill. And, And so I think I would be really interested to see whether... Crytek could ever get around to releasing the game that they originally wanted to make. I think I think I'd prefer that perhaps over a, a direct sequel to this game. Hmm. Yeah, if you I don't know if you guys remember it, uh, the original launch. I, I actually sorry I didn't even give you an opportunity to to let me know if you remember the original reveal in 2011. But I'm sure that trailer's online. You guys should go check it out. It's all first person. It at the time I didn't realize it was high fantasy. Well, at the time I probably didn't, and since then I've forgotten. But uh, yeah, you could tell it was very, very connect driven. And but who knows? Maybe that that world might have been more interesting, uh, or still could be. I th- I think I already said earlier what I would need to see for a sequel. I'd probably play it anyways, just because I play almost every action adventure title that comes out or or anything like it. You know, this is hack and slash most accurately. But you know, it's a it's a brief linear experience with story and characters and. I'll play pretty much all of those regardless of my expectations or even uh, like critical reception or fan reception, just because I like to get, keep my finger on the pulse of, of, you know, what's coming out and what's going on in the medium. But for them, for it to be, you know, also impressive <laughs> while I play it, I would hope, like I said earlier, that they could diversify their, their gameplay and their, their set pieces uh, a bit more and a bit better because to rely so heavily on just that combat system, it gets stale so quickly for for me. And I was surprised to see how many people in the forums generally really like this game. And um, I think I liked it a bit less. I was pretty lukewarm on. It. I think, like you, Sam, it's 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 almost like it's just there. You know, it's it's a launch title. It's decent. What was it? Probably eight hour experience, and then you move on with your life. And <laughs> uh, it's, it sounds saying that, that it wouldn't be the best podcast. Hopefully this is, it's been an interesting podcast and, and an interesting month uh, on the forums as well. I, I still had fun with it as, as I do every month, but uh, yeah, they, they would definitely have to diversify things in, in any eventual sequel, but I, I would root for it to exist in the first place. Sure. And to that end, we had Hawkeye Barry 20. I think I read from him earlier, uh, but he spoke a bit on the sequel prospects as well. He said, if if they made a sequel, besides tweaking the repetitive gameplay, I would want them to make a decision about including gods in this game. Either include them and make them important to the story, or don't have them in it at all. They tried to walk the line, and it just made me wonder why they were in it at all. And I I think we spoke to that earlier, or at least my theory is that was going to be more heavy-handed in the sequel that we we now might never receive. Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I, I... I don't necessarily agree that I would want them to be more front and center because I think, as I was saying earlier, I think the fact that they're kind of meddling behind the scenes makes it interesting. But I think the implementation of that could have been better. They could have, it could have, uh, I don't know, we could have seen maybe a little bit more dialogue between the two of them 
um maybe over you know if marius is unconscious and they can be sort of debating what they're going to do you know and, and what their new wage is going to be that kind of thing but i definitely don't i don't think i don't think it would work to actually make them interact with the characters more and and for us to find out their motives too much because as kevin was saying earlier that's part of kind of classic mythology is is to have the gods on a on a well a pantheon above everyone else um to to that they're kind of unknowable um so i yeah i'd like to see more of them i don't i don't think they should get they should get rid of them but i wouldn't want them to become a generic kind of uh figure that that is too relatable because the whole idea is that they're they're kind of mysterious and and aloof yeah like i said earlier this game's trying to be a new mythology basically a a a new myth for that that still is a myth and in order to be a classical myth you need the gods meddling but they can't be front and center you can't really talk about what do these gods want or and feel uh, some myths do do that but generally they they tend not to at least as as far as i can remember and i'm i'm certainly not an expert but i i'm not a historian <laughs> but i <clears throat> you know i i, I enjoy history so I've read a lot of myths and I've been exposed to a lot of them and and typically the gods will be there as kind of motivating actors behind the scenes. They're, they're a little mysterious. So I think the game achieved that perfectly and, and he couldn't do it any other way. Yeah, I definitely, if, if they did get a sequel and, you know, regardless of it being in a new setting, uh, I don't think they would do away with them. And I, I imagine like you guys have sort of said as well, that, Crytek was probably actually just fine with with their level of involvement, and if they remain in that role, that'd be cool. As long as you know, incrementally, they're still fleshing them out a bit more. As I think, just having a sequel would do almost you know naturally and and unavoidably. So I'd probably be fine with that. I like I said before, I definitely like their inclusion. Why? Destroy Rome and end this foolish notion of civilization. Marius, watch out! Immortals play your games. We gods play ours. But the game has rules. Oh. So before we we wind down completely here, I, I do have a few more pieces of feedback that I felt uh, collectively really captured the forum's overall opinions of this game. Like I said, they were more positive than negative for the most part, um, and people, you know, put it in the context of a launch title, five years old, and it seemed people with with those uh, caveats in mind did generally like it. And even sometimes for some people without those caveats, people just generally like these games. So I wanted to give a few more people their, their due in our, uh, on the show. So I'll start with X and I think it's S Ryan X. Uh, they said, I think this game is severely underrated due to being a launch title. Sure. Once you get the fighting down, there is a repetition issue, but I still found myself enjoying the executions well into finishing the game. The story is absolutely nothing to write home about, and I was more impressed with the set pieces themselves. I think for a launch game, it was absolutely excellent. 
A new IP showed the graphical prowess of the system and had a nice little multiplayer mode to jump into. Although those achievements are a real grind, I haven't been able to commit myself to. And then Johnny Interfunk again, he's back, said, Game was shortish, but I felt that the length worked to its advantage. It didn't wear out its welcome. It felt like a lot of content was cut to meet a deadline. Game speeds up in Chapter 7 and ends in Chapter 8. I felt like a lot was missing or cut around then. Major characters are offed suddenly and never mentioned again, probably due to the Xbox One launch deadline, which he might be right about, given that they sort of self-imposed a rush. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that comment in the forums and actually appreciated that because I, I, that first twigged me onto the fact that there was some kind of developmental difficulty. I wasn't really aware of that side of things, so it kind of gave me a bit more context. My one pro column item was the <laughs> fact that it was short um so it's, it, but it's interesting to hear that the issues that i had with the way that the story sort of barreled towards the end without really making well it made sense but it didn't really give much flavor or context to, to what was happening uh the fact that that there clearly was some kind of developmental difficulty towards the end and, and the, maybe there was entire cut sequences at, at those points at least gives me a bit more context to to why i was struggling with it so i appreciated that bit of feedback Cool. And then uh, the last bit of feedback we have here is from our friend Chewy on Ice. And again, I think he sort of wraps up what a lot of people were saying. Not everybody, of course, but the, the consensus opinion from February. He said, the relatively short story is enjoyable if a little B-movie. I think I can forgive it being a bit trashy because it's just such a great setting. Like with Assassin's Creed, I'm maybe a little more willing to overlook the game's flaws because I love exploring the history and the geography. I feel like I'm learning while I play. They do take some historical liberties when it comes to Nero, Boudicca, and other historical figures, but it doesn't really matter too much because I don't think the story is pretending to be accurate, just engaging, and in that it, it succeeds for the most part. Although the hack and slash gameplay does get a bit repetitive, there are some neat set pieces that keep things fresh, and I enjoyed some of the sections where you create a shield blockade because it broke up the monotony, and it reminded me of history classes where you learned about superior Roman battle tactics. Yeah, that's interesting from Chewie, because I know that we have a similar uh, feeling about Assassin's Creed sort of throughout our conversations as we've played the games that we kind of forgive it a lot. So I, I don't know, I can't put my finger on why I couldn't do it for Rise, but... Um... But now I appreciate where he's coming from. And I wanted to make a personal apology to Chewie again for yet again missing a multiplayer session on Rise. Because I, I must have had about six or seven times that I've tried to have a multiplayer session with Chewie for various games. And I've never managed to meet them. So um, oh. <laughs> I'll try again next time. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to it in a moment. But uh, you might have your chance to, to meet up uh, in March's game too. Uh, we should first move on to stats. But we, before we do that, we just want to again... Say thanks to everybody who's joined us in the TA Playlist Hub on, on TrueAchievements.com. I think I speak for all three of us when I say that it continues to impress just how many people play along each month, whether we're doing a new AAA release or an indie or a five-year-old game like this one. I mean, we've, we've gone even further back in the timeline with stuff like Darksiders and Alan Wake. Uh, thanks a lot for that to everyone, again and always. If you want to take three minutes or less to easily support the show and the event, you can tell a friend to join TA, as is always wise anyways. Uh, talk about TA playlists on social media, which which helps boost our signal, or, you know, the this super helpful way, I guess you could call it, is uh, 
just to rate and review us on Apple Podcast. I've, as a side note, I've been mistakenly calling it iTunes Podcast, and I realized Sam once corrected me on that, and uh, he was actually right. It is Apple Podcast now. They've they've rebranded they've rebranded <laughs> months ago, but some some people like me are are still pitching iTunes on the end of our podcasts. Uh, but yeah, Apple Apple Podcast it, it remains the top of the podcast food pyramid so whether or not you're listening there it does go a long way if you rate and review us there so you know thanks for helping out whoever you can ta playlist is of course a more the merrier operation and we look forward to new voices in the forums every month which to date we've gathered which has been really cool uh with that said let's look at the stats so for february we had just over 1600 people playing rise with us uh, of which 617 were starting it for the first time. And 52 of those 1,600 actually completed this game, which is, uh, you know, kind of... Well, I guess that just includes the base game, maybe? So maybe they didn't have to grind out some of the multiplayer stuff that was added later. So in that way, it's not that bad if you can get through Legendary Difficulty. Uh, over 20,000 achievements popped for just under about half a million gamer score. And 727,000 true achievement score. Personally, I popped another 8 for another 140. Uh, and like I said, I'd played this before, so that brought my total to 38 out of 60 total. Including, it says, I got 2 out of 2 DLC achievements. I don't. I guess those, those were a couple free update multiplayer things that I must have popped. But yeah, I don't even have access to the full 60 because I don't have most of the DLC. Um, how'd you guys do? So I, this is my first time playing, and I got 20 achievements for 410 gamer score, which I think, I haven't done my research, might prove that I didn't even get the entire story done in the month, um, which probably says something <laughs> about the fact that I I really was, wasn't that enthused about this game. So I, I had an achievement pop um, before the month started, and I had to catch up at the end of this week to uh, to get the story finished um but yeah <laughs> i i really did get the bare minimum in this game unfortunately <laughs> yeah i got the full whatever the completion is i didn't even check i got it so long ago oh, you did, i huh? remember i mean i i got it at launch so i definitely earned all of them the original thousand and then i completed the dlc as it came out i actually owned the season pass or whatever it was and i looked forward to them when they would pop up with new achievements while the multiplayer wasn't great i found those i found coming back to the game every so often was was really fun so i i really enjoyed them i happily completed the game in its entirety hmm. I, I didn't know you did that i was i was wondering because i know for a while you were chasing every completion and then alien um convinced you to to not worry about that so much anymore but you're back on your horse, sort of, even though you'd yeah. already completed well, this one. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, like, uh, if it wasn't Alien, Hitman would have definitely convinced me never to try to complete all these games. Oh, true. God, I hated that one even more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as our month in Rome comes to an end, we travel to a new land, a more fantastical one than the quasi-historical lands Crytek brought us to. TA Playlist Community Game for March 2018. It's actually now underway. We're recording on March 3rd. Uh, is Lionhead's Fable 2. We have a whole month and another podcast episode to discuss that one in full. So just to be brief, um, how do you guys feel about heading to Fable 2? Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to see if I can get any more achievements. I, I played this game when it launched, uh, and that was well before I uh, I got into achievement hunting. So 
there's a fair amount for me to do. Um, I can't see that I'll finish the list unless someone very generous comes along and just gives me everything I need, because that's one aspect of this game we might be able to talk about. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it'd be interesting to go back and see how I feel about Fable as, as a whole, and, and this game in particular now, because it's soured in my memory, but I don't know if I'm I'm being fair to it. So I'm looking forward to it. Hmm. Yeah, I really liked fable 3 a lot i know that one got a lot of hate i didn't understand it i definitely enjoy fable 3 as far as fable 1 i liked it at the time but i played it again recently the anniversary edition and hated it so i i'm not sure how i'm going to come down on fable 2 so i guess it'll it'll be interesting to see it's it's definitely not what i voted for but it's it's what we got so (laughs) yeah i i haven't played well I thought I hadn't played it. As it turns out, I popped five achievements in 2009 and gave it a two out of five rating on TA's like community rating system. I don't think I, yeah, I don't think that's going to hold up because um, that was a long time ago. And since then I seem to have uh, fallen in love with the series. I had never, I thought I'd never played one until I played Fable 3 last year. Loved it despite hearing it's the worst one. Well, after the fact, I heard that, so it didn't. It didn't. I didn't even allow it to paint my perception of it. And I actually just played Fable Anniversary a couple of weeks ago because I beat Rise so quickly. Then I beat Fable Anniversary, uh, and I really like that one too. So I'm expecting I'll really like Fable too, especially considering it's apparently most people's favorite of of those original three from Lionhead. But uh, I'm not too sure yet. And speaking, Sam, you mentioned someone's generosity. I should speak to our sort of giveaway that we have thanks to a very generous uh person in the forums his guardian angel gg was his gamer tag or is his gamer tag rather and he seems to be the world's biggest fable fan and he he is so excited <laughs> he's so excited that he that the community is playing this and that this game is in the limelight um uh, for you know just for another month again so many years after release He's spoken, if if anyone hasn't seen it yet, check out when we announced Fable 2.1. He's spoken already at great length about how much he loves this game and his save files and how he would often play just to go and marry this one character whom he loves so much again. And he's he's very much involved. And he's he's already set up gaming sessions. He's actually doing a session right now as we record this, just giving away a bunch of their hard-to-find items uh, in Fable because you can join. And there's like a sort of co-op system in this game where you can join and trade and swap items with people. Uh super generous within the game and in sort of the the meta of the game as well because given that fable 2 is the game this month he wanted to help drive support for it so he's he's purchased and given to us to give away two fifty dollar xbox gift cards you do have to have a u.s account to redeem them that doesn't mean you have to be a u.s player uh so to speak, I guess. I know some people have different regional accounts. I'm not sure we can condone that or not, so I'm remaining neutral on it, but you do have to have a US account to redeem them. But if if you can clear that hurdle, you get uh, anybody who pops an achievement in the month of March in Fable 2 is automatically entered into win one of them. And then the other one, the three of us will be deciding as we do with the polls, we thought it was fair enough to do it this way as well. Uh, the three of us will be convening and definitely arguing over who had the best feedback <laughs> and that person will, will win the other $50 <laughs> gift card. So there's, there's for the first time ever, we have a, a couple giveaways to do with people. It's something I've been wanting to do personally. I, I haven't pulled that trigger yet, but here we have someone really cool and 
really enthused in the forums who's who's gone and done it for us so check that out on site if if you want to see uh more about that and if you want to just see the guardian angels guardian angel gg is just like pure unfiltered enthusiasm for fable 2 it's very cool i think it's going to be a cool month just because he's joining us now for the first time uh and then you know of course everybody else too (laughs) but with all that said uh i think that's it so we thank everyone for listening playing along chatting in the forums doing all that ta playlist has to offer and we'll see everyone in albion 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 i'm not sure yet uh for fable 2 (laughs) (laughs) thanks for joining us everyone Goodbye. Bye.